Hello, welcome to series two of Shooting Azimuths, a podcast chiefly devised to allow me to chat to the people I admire the most in education. This series features the speakers who will be addressing the Embley Education Conference that takes place on the 14th of April. To find out more about the conference and to book your place, please visit www.embley.org.uk forward slash conference. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of welcoming Martin Robinson, best-selling writer and expert in curriculum. So, hello, Martin. Thank you for being with us today. Hello there. And and look, thank you for inviting me, not just to do this talk, but to come to, is it Embley? It's Embley, yes, it's Embley. We're, we're a school in Hampshire. We're just outside Romsey. So lovely. not lovely very far at all from Southampton. Yeah, lovely part of the world. My it is lovely. We're blessed because we have a. Uh, sorry, I'm just pointing out the window. We <laughs> we have a <laughs> we have 130 acres of parkland and woodland. And I remember when I when I came down um, for the interview for my current role, I had to slow down to let the deer go past. So um, it was a very different environment to, to where I'd come from, which was um, uh, Surbiton, you know, it's a suburb of London. Yeah. So. Um, Sounds um, lovely. But, but anyway, anyway, enough about me, Martin. Can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about you? Who is Martin Robinson? Well, I was, I was going to say my my father's family um, have have their roots in Hampshire. Oh. So he's he, he comes from um, his. Well, his mother was from Southampton. And, and anyway, a long story. But uh, I know the area a bit. We'll welcome you bit. home when you're here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm. Um, I'm a teacher originally, not originally, I was a baby originally, but but after that, <laughs> sometime after that, I was <laughs> a teacher and I taught in um, East London secondary schools for about 20 odd years. Drama as, was your specialist. Mainly as a drama teacher, also a senior leader and all those sorts of dull things. Okay. I, was a, I was an AST as well, an advanced skills teacher, would you believe, when those were such a thing. And... Um, I uh, took, um, I think it was what we call early, not early retirement, voluntary redundancy and became an education consultant and managed to spend a year and a half writing my first book called Trivium Trivium 21C, which was um, being taking voluntary redundancy allowed me that time to Mm -hmm. write the book. And I was went to. The British Library every day and mm-hmm. uh, went into their rare book section and ancient books and things like that. And I always wondered how that came about yeah, so that's okay. how you did it. Okay. I dug I dug into I mean I first saw um, one of you know Samuel Johnson's first ever dictionary and things like that I mean extraordinary um, digging into all these ancient books and uh, had a lovely okay. time. Did you did you did you have the idea of focusing on grammar, dialectic and rhetoric before you went into the library or was did that come from your visit to the library? It came, uh, interestingly, I was because I had no intention of ever writing a book, but it came via a Twitter conversation with Ian Gilbert, who had a, a sort of um, consultancy, group of consultants he worked with, and um, a book deal 
with him was suggested and I thought no don't be silly I can't write a book and he said no oh, you've, you've got some good ideas I was um because I'd just become a father mm-hmm. and had um was thinking about an education for my daughter what would be a good education for her it does make you I, think doesn't it? yes it does it does I got into this um strange thing called the trivium and I got to it through a classical education and doing some research around what a classical education was and the reason I got into that was doing some improvisational theatre with a chap called Ken Campbell who was um, in an episode of Faulty Towers once um, when um, do you know Faulty Towers? Yeah yeah Oh, yes. <laughs> I didn't think this one through, did I? <laughs> yes. Well, he wasn't anything to do with Manuel, but there was a, there's an episode <laughs> where, <laughs> when um, Sybil is ill in bed and or, you know, it's actually not Sybil. She's gone out and loads of friends come around for a wedding anniversary. Yeah. Ken Campbell was playing one of the friends as the annoying one. Anyway. To cut a long story short, talking to Ken and with the group he was in, they were doing improvisation work um, in Shakespeare and biblical stories and um, various other Dickens and Commedia and, and, and all these sorts of other things. And they would all switch into these things very easily. Greek theatre, boom, they would do it. And I was thinking, my God, there's all this world that I know very little about. Yeah. And why do I want my daughter to be equally as ignorant as me, you know, so not know certain things about the greats of the past, so to speak. And through that, I found the Trivium. And if anyone's interested, you can go online to a thing called the Lost Tools of Learning Mm -hmm. by Dorothy L. Sayers, which is two or three pages of a talk she did at Oxford University in the 1940s or 1950s, um, talking about how our modern education system then had neglected the um, the great methods of the past. Mm. And as I started to dig into this, I became more and more fascinated. He started talking about it on Twitter. Ian Gilbert said, oh, this sounds really interesting stuff. How about yeah, writing a book? And I said, don't be silly. And then I ended up writing a book. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> and that's that's how that's how I came to know Martin Robinson, because I, 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 I read the book at the time. Uh, well, I can't. I can't remember what I read immediately. You were probably sure it was a while ago, and um, and and this is how I came to know um, about your work. Um, so, so why? If you if you tell me why, do you think that grammar, dialectic, and rhetoric, which which are the elements of the trivium for those listening and not familiar with it, um, why do you think that those three elements are so important to teaching? Yeah, I think it's because if if you ever dissect something like a an animal or anything like that you get you get the the structure of it mm-hmm. yeah so you know the, our structure the muscles the internal organs the skeleton things like that yeah and of course it shapes us yeah. well if we look at every lesson every subject in a school and we dissect it mm-hmm. we can find there are three levels to it first of all there's the stuff of what you teach Mm-hmm. Yeah, the knowledge, if you like. Mm-hmm. And um, this is the grammar, the grammar mm-hmm. of the subject mm-hmm. in the medieval terms. And then we look at what else happens in every 
subject where you have to think about your knowledge. Mm-hmm. You have to test it out. You have to look and argue about it. You have to practice it. Well, that's mm-hmm. the dialectic, the mm-hmm. logic and the logos. And that's all tied in together. And I can mm-hmm. talk about that for you. Have you got a few years? <laughs> go Not today, that. Martin, but we can come back. <laughs> and then lastly is the rhetoric, yeah. um, the communication of new ideas that you've mm-hmm. come to or, you know, or you've you've shown that you understand mm-hmm. in a certain way what you've been exploring and thinking about. And this form of education was the basis for the great medieval universities of which this country has two, Oxford mm-hmm. and Cambridge, mm-hmm. and you know the great universities across Europe. And they all taught in the way that you think about things, communicate things and learn about things. And that, that's the, the three areas of the trivium. And so what the book was saying was to re-emphasize those three things, to bring about the correct balance between those three things and to say that's what we need to return to rather than perhaps um, various different ways of juggling with those things over the years that have happened. And when I was at school, we got rid of grammar entirely. You know, <laughs> we certainly didn't teach me English grammar or anything yeah. like that in the in the modern sense of the word. Mm. But even in the older sense of the word, the the amount of knowledge I was accruing was very, very little yeah. and um, certainly not the classical yeah. education yeah. of um, you, you, language teachers always always moan about uh, students not being taught elsewhere what a verb is, what a direct object is, and and and, and that kind of thing. But what I'm really interesting to to so given given what you just told us, I'd like to explore the trivium a little bit more because you mentioned earlier that you were you, you know you were an advanced skilled teacher, an, an AST, um, um, in a London school teaching mainly drama, and then you encountered the trivium. Was it after you were an AST that this happened? Yeah, it's um, I mean, part of my ASTing, if you like, as well, and and also as a curriculum lead mm-hmm. in the school, um, and looking for at at that time there were various curriculum discussions, and we were talking before Michael Gove, you know, pre Gove, yeah. pre pre the Conservative government, in fact. Okay. So um, we go back, back to that, and there was a lot of things about skills and um, transferability of skills and, and things like uh, there was a big picture of the curriculum that subjects were a very small amount of the actual whole where there was creative creativity critical thinking collaboration yeah. everything beginning with C. that's it <laughs> and we had to teach all those things and the thing with i i started to get more and more um I suppose disillusioned by that approach because mm. everyone seemed to come up with ways to avoid teaching things mm-hmm. and it, rather than um, giving good knowledge it was about mm. project work and, and all sorts of other things that seemed to mm-hmm. be all very well and good but I, I saw that children I was teaching were getting to know less and less and less. The balance had tipped towards the, the skills and the soft skills yeah. and so on. And so what, what became interest to me was that the trivium seemed to offer a way of balance. Mm. 
between those different approaches that there was something very progressive about it but also something very traditional about it and that mm. tension between mm. the tradition and pro progression is something that it holds in a form of stasis you know that these two things sort of yeah. battle against each other we'll come back to that in a minute because that's an interesting concept but when, when I remember when I read the book, when I read the trillium, and I have to say to, to, to you know to my shame, I, I not thought a lot about the the, the the grammar, dialectic, and rhetoric. I didn't know much about the classic trillium. Um, but what it did do when I read your book is it provided a, a framework for me to be able to reflect about my own teaching. Yeah. Um, and, and from that perspective, it made perfect sense because here here is the conceptual framework that I can that I can use to talk up to think about how I can make my lesson planning better, how I can make my curriculum planning better. Um, and I wonder what I, what, I, what I was trying to get to earlier, Martin, is when you were in AST, is, is the trivium something that you sort of knew was right, but didn't have the words for it? And then when you went to the British Library, you went, aha, this is, this is what I've always thought works. And here is here are the words. Here is the language that I can use to talk to other people about what I'm thinking. I think it's it's because it's the tradition of education in and I would argue beyond just the Western world as well. I would argue that and there's evidence that it's sort of more worldwide than that. Um, I think it is. It's, it's a, a realisation that you're playing with something here that makes sense of what you're trying to do mm -hmm. and suddenly you you are given a language you're given a way of thinking a philosophy mm -hmm. um, which makes a lot of things make sense now also because it's a tradition it has changed over the years and people have brought their own things to it and there are arguments within it that is fascinating in itself mm -hmm. um, but the it's the central tension and the, the thing about the job that became the Govite mm -hmm. sort of curriculum that people started to argue against was, of course, that grammar becomes very important again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the, the traditional knowledge, know. the, the best that's been thought and said and, mm -hmm. and, and things like that. And the argument then becomes, well, who determines who's best, what's best? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. this is why the dialectic then you say well hang on a minute there's also a counterbalance to that yeah. which is an argument against it and you teach mm -hmm. both yeah. you teach those things and of course whether you're teaching whatever the subject is there's always a way of trying to say well here's one thing but here's something else now let's look at those two things and sort of make sense of them or, or whatever it happens to be or here is something let's practice it in, in in the situation we find ourselves does it still work experimentation or use of language or whatever it happens to be that's so, fascinating yeah. fascinating martin thank you listen we're gonna go for a little break now mm -hmm. and we'll come back in in no time at all hello everyone i'm cliff canning headmaster at Embley a wonderful school in stunning grounds near Romsey in Hampshire. On the 14th of April, we'll be hosting our annual education conference. I'm very excited to share with you the wealth of knowledge and expertise that our speakers have to offer. The theme of the conference is leadership at every level. And let me tell you, it's not just a catchy slogan, it's a call to action. 
Leadership is essential in every aspect of our lives, whether it's the classroom, the boardroom or the sports field. And that's why we've brought together some of the most accomplished leaders in the field to share their stories and insights. But don't take my word for it. Have a listen to our podcast and hear for yourself the valuable insights and advice they have to offer. And once you have a sense of that, head across to our website at www.embley.org.uk forward slash conference and book your place. I look forward to seeing you. Okay, so welcome back, uh, Martin. Earlier, you were talking about. Um, uh, I think were you talking were you talking about progressive traditionalism? Oh yeah, yeah, I think so. So that's what I put together in the book to describe the the tension between the two, which to me is a very creative space to be in. Mm-hmm. So the the tradition of progressivism. Yeah. <laughs> and the tradition of traditionalism, (laughs) Um, sort of a a conservative and radical um, challenge, if you like, Mm -hmm. is is quite a creative place. So if you are looking to come up with new ideas or free free thinking, Mm -hmm. the whole point of the trivium as well is to enable children to think for themselves, um, to look at the world from different perspectives, to to think of things anew afresh and not just repeat what the teacher has told them mm-hmm. so you know there there is that freedom yeah. which is what the trivium and and the classical education is, is all about you know the freedom of thinking the freedom to be whatever it happens to be all, all those um yeah. situations so when i when i read Trivium, and then I kept in. I kept, you know, I followed your work in in other areas, blogs, etc. So, but by the way, Martin has a blog, and if you Google uh, Martin Robinson, you'll uh, get to his to his uh, writings, um, which are very interesting. I thoroughly recommend. So, Martin, when I when I read your book, the takeaway for me was, um, and correct me if I completely misunderstood this, um, but the takeaway for me was an invitation to think about how we can look at education, take the three pillars of the trivium and evolve education in a in a, in a, in, a, in a gradual way. Um, um, and, you know, this is what I took progressive traditionalism to mean at the time as well. It, to me, it was a nice concept because it, it sort of like took the best of the both, ten, you know, the tension between the two opposing trends of education and then found the common ground between them to move forward. And yet your new book, which is coming out, has it come out already? It has come out. Yes. It has come out. Your new book is Curriculum Revolutions. And and so so how have we gone from evolution to revolu- revolution? Uh, because you see, the revolution is um, a joke. OK, <laughs> well, that explains it. <laughs> it's um, it's about um, the revolution it's not i mean it's it's not a joke in terms of it, it states exactly what it says on the tin so to speak it's about a, a revolving continual process ah, okay. of looking at curriculum and how to change it and how to assess it is it any good um so you do an audit within it so it's a process it takes you through a practical process of curriculum design and curriculum redesign and as it's no look it's it's an apocryphal story by the way about the fourth rail bridge okay. in scotland 
where they say once they finished painting it, they, they start, start again. again. Yeah, it's it's apparently it's a thirty year turnaround. It needs to once it's been painted, it's okay for about thirty years. Then you have to start again. But anyway, I quite like the idea that, <laughs> that yeah, as yeah. soon as you finish it, you start again. So the the idea of curriculum design in the book is that you go around this circular process, and when you get to the end of it, you've got to start again. Um, but not starting the whole curriculum again, just looking and saying, well, have the changes we made worked? Mm -hmm. If they have, then great. If we're not sure, then great. Um, if they haven't, then OK, we need to look at those or are there other areas we need to look at, et cetera, et cetera. So it's this continual process of change and it's managing change. And that's the revolutions, if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a revolving around this circle. Yeah, it's a, it's a similar concept, I think, to the to the title of um, this podcast. Of when, it, when the podcast was the first series, was called "Shooting Azimuths," which is uh, a rather arcane term. And just it's just re shooting azimuth. Shooting an azimuth means taking stock of where you are in relation to where you're going and working out the best path to get yeah. to to the next yeah. stage. And I think it's a similar concept that you're explaining, isn't it? Where you where you where you once you've gone through a full circle. Then you think about how you got there and seeing what things you need to change to make it better the next time round, isn't yeah. it? And it's because it takes a a long time to actually change curriculum anyway. But um, even if you came to a dead end, once you've finished it, it's finished. Mm. The trouble with curriculum is it deals in knowledge and knowledge mm. isn't still, isn't static. Okay. So that, and, that takes yeah. that takes me to the next thing that we, we, you you sort of started answering the question already. So I'll let you carry on. So what what makes a good curriculum then? Well, there you go. <laughs> now, the I suppose that the central thesis of the book is about how knowledge leads to more knowledge. Mm -hmm. So if you find yourself in a room surrounded by people talking about something and they seem to all know exactly what's going on and exactly what they're talking about and yet you don't mm -hmm. <laughs> and you you haven't got a way in or or people are reading a book and they're all talking about how good the book is and you mm -hmm. didn't find it very accessible something mm -hmm. like that or, or, yeah. or a tv program or whatever yeah. then it's saying that a lot of the reasons why we get into problems when we're teaching children Mm. is because we do think of isolated chunks of knowledge that are on a list in the syllabus or something for an exam mm. and build back from there. And we don't look at how concepts and ideas connect and how they connect and how we need to teach what I call the grammar mm -hmm. as the trivium way, um, the foundational knowledge mm -hmm. helps put things in context. So a lot of children, particularly those who are less well read or or have, you know, a, a more. Well, a more distanced view of education, shall we say, mm -hmm. um, find it very difficult because the way in to education is, is not being given to them. No one's given them the secret key, you know, mm -hmm. and the curriculum, if it's set up properly, mm -hmm. needs to be giving them that key. So I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. If you suddenly are given Macbeth to read mm -hmm. in class, then some children have heard of Shakespeare. Some children may have heard of Macbeth, you know, mm -hmm. 
but some children will know nothing about it. Mm. What do you need to know, therefore, in order to open the doors to Shakespeare before you get to that class, Mm -hmm. before you get to that? Well, if you look at the, the context of Macbeth, it would be useful to know, maybe you could say a bit of Scottish history, mm-hmm. <laughs> but in terms of drama, in terms of theatre, mm-hmm. it would be useful to know about tragedy. Mm-hmm. What's the tragedy? What's the structure of the tragedy, the storyline? You know, mm-hmm. And if you know that the central character you know, is going to start off, everything's quite good, mm-hmm. but by the end of it, it's all going to go badly wrong you know you -hmm. know something that helps you into the story the pattern of the story Mm -hmm. you could also know something that what's tragedy not well it's not comedy Mm -hmm. and you've got those two masks of drama you know the the sad tragic and the happy comic masks and they're often seen together and you could know that comedy is the opposite, if you like. In comedy, mm-hmm. everything's chaotic at the beginning, <laughs> but yeah, comes yeah. together and and yeah. resolves itself by the end, you know. Yeah. So straight away, I know I've talked to you something. Let's pretend you were ignorant of both things. But let's yes. say you're the child who knows nothing about structure of story. Yeah. Already, you know something about story. So don't start with Shakespeare. Don't start with Macbeth. Mm-hmm. You start with comedy and tragedy. And Aristotle has written about particularly tragedy mm-hmm. um, and comedy that helps us put us in a place where we know those things. So two to three years before getting to Macbeth, you should have done a bit of Aristotle. You know, okay. so there's there's that that structures everything. And it's the same with languages, the same with anything you're teaching. What is the big ideas, the big um, mm-hmm. context that we can place things in? So the balance for a good curriculum is between breadth and depth and mm-hmm. getting that right. Is, is then, as if I'm understanding this correctly, is to you, is a good curriculum a roadmap to the great ideas? It, it partly is, yeah, but it's also there's depth as well. You know, you've got to know very detailed knowledge about some things. But but if you look at it in, in two terms, there's, there's the whole terrain. Mm-hmm of something that you can find your way around a terrain you would say is the person who knows that terrain Mm -hmm. is educated in that terrain now let's say that is what enables you to live in that subject area after Mm -hmm. you've left school yeah now Mm -hmm. within that terrain there will be very detailed examples you'll get in schooling so Mm -hmm. for instance Macbeth Mm -hmm. (laughs) but when you've left school you might want to go and see King Lear Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and you've already got some of the ter- you've got the whole terrain mapped for you but you're going to yeah. learn new things about king lear um but you're going to f- be at home with it because yeah. you've got a way into it so yeah. the the importance is to give children a way into things so when they leave school and and indeed when they're children as well when mm-hmm. they, but you know for the rest mm-hmm. of their lives they have a way into more things than would have been possible had they not got into school Gotcha. That's great. Thank you. Uh, Martin, is there any room in the curriculum for things like, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay. Is there any room in the curriculum for things such as 
character, curiosity, resilience, grit? Um, well, look, if, if you if you call it character education, resilience education, grit mm -hmm. education, then and I you dedicate say, one hour a week to it. Then, yeah, I would say no. No. Yeah. Um, but because it's it's it turns something which is part of life mm -hmm. into some sort of pseudoscience and and mm -hmm. we're spending our time sort of filling in the ideas about what a good character is or, or whatever you know mm -hmm. but what we could be doing is actually experiencing things that actually enrich our character yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that give us experiences and and aren't based on some sort of I say pseudoscience, scientific mm -hmm. ideas, but are actually mm -hmm. based on living a life. In in drama, um, one of the things about a character, because you play a character, yeah. one of the things we say is, how many choices has that character got? Mm -hmm. And the more choices that character has got, and having to make a decision, mm -hmm. the more character there mm -hmm. is, because mm -hmm. it's more fascinating to play, you know, this this character has many choices so a, a character with hardly any choices is not much of a character they're, they're hardly drawn at all mm -hmm. a character with lots of big choices to make is very well drawn so experience matters and i would say that that's where character comes from so good extracurricular provision or co-curricular i think you might say at embley yeah. um whatever these things are and 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 a broad range of subjects that give you you know, a very rich education from languages, the sciences, the humanities, yeah. the arts, the technologies, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. We, we try really hard to give a broad, as, as broad a curriculum as, as possible. And, you know, we started looking at, with the exam classes, we look at metacognition. Uh, I can't say the word today, yeah. Martin. <laughs> and um, how, teach them how to learn. So, you know, not assume that they know how to learn things, but actually teach them how to learn in context in the subject. This is, this is not, this is biology, but this is also how to best learn this topic in biology, or this is Spanish verbs, and this is how best you can learn the Spanish verbs. With younger years, we, we're looking at a thinking curriculum, um, which echoes some of the elements that you mentioned at the beginning, where we're trying to get children to become aware of the, their own biases, their cognitive biases, and what logical fallacies they might fall into when they make, you know, when they're discussing things with each other. So there's, there's something lots of... at the basis, sorry, sorry to interrupt, there's something at the basis basis of a classical education, mm. which I, I, I might get the pronunciation here wrong, but it's called the disoilogoi. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea is to look at something before you write an essay or before you make a decision. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about character and making decisions or something. It's a, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a classical education technique that goes back to the Greeks. And it says, basically, you have to write two pieces. Mm -hmm one of which for and one of which against the proposal, <laughs> if you like. And the all Boris you Johnson do, approach. Well, this is it. And you write down exactly uh, in a persuasive way as though both parts are true mm -hmm. and you agree 100% with. And you don't try and sort of make an argument between them. You write one for, one against, whatever it happens to be, as absolutely separate pieces of writing. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you look at them and that's before you write the essay and it shows that you understand the arguments and, and the way it's done in class is you know if you're having a class debate halfway mm. through you say stop right you've got to change sides now with who you yeah. 
So something like that. And Boris Johnson, arguably, Mm -hmm. before the Brexit vote, Mm -hmm. wrote those two pieces for The Telegraph. Mm -hmm. And one could say, Mm -hmm. one could argue that that is what he was doing. Yeah. was you know and he had a you know he's a he's a classicist so i, I think, I I think that's, that is indeed what he argued at the time yeah. yeah he 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 argued that he wasn't being um loose with with fact he he was um he was just practicing the the the, the thinking on both sides so yeah. it doesn't necessarily his his looseness with facts since then and, and perhaps before <laughs> then haven't done the classical world yeah. many favors but yeah. <laughs> no However. that's that's great so martin i mean last question we're getting to the end of the of the of the, of the podcast now but you know you, you're also coming to the to the embley education conference which takes place on the 14th of april uh, as um i think we said at the beginning in in embley which is just outside bronzy so can you give us a little a little you know uh, sentence, two sentence summary of, of, or perhaps a bit longer, Martin. You know, uh, don't constrain yourself. So, w- what will you be talking to us about? Right, I'll be talking about what I was mentioning just a few minutes ago about the curriculum revolutions, mm-hmm. but the idea of um, what structure or what's the cognitive architecture to give it a yeah. posh type type of. I think from computing computer science um, but the idea what's the cognitive architecture of a good curriculum how does it shape thinking and how does it shape learning for um, children and looking at how it can be put together and it's going to be a lot of fun mm. I always mm. have a lot of fun with talks and but there's a lot of laughter as well as um, a few challenges in there as well so that's what we'll 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 be looking at Fantastic. We also look look forward to welcoming you to Embley, uh, to your ancestral roots in Hampshire. Well, yeah. <laughs> near, near. <laughs> near. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thanks very much, Martin. Lovely to have you. Thanks for your time and uh, see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Shooting Azimuths. Please don't forget to check the Embley Education Conference website www.embley.org.uk forward slash conference and subscribe to this podcast to be notified when the next podcast episode is available. Goodbye for now.